Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. So glad to be here. I mean, are y'all excited to be in the house of the Lord here this morning? Come on, we get excited around here about church. At Velocity, we get excited about the Word of God. We get excited about church because, man, I don't know about you, but all throughout the week, I got all kinds of things going on. I don't know about you guys, but man, it's just, it's such a blessing and it's so refreshing just to gather back together. As a matter of fact, uh, me and Hadley were talking about this last night of just how incredible it is for us to just be able to, on Sunday mornings, come together with just such an incredible body uh, of people at church. And, and, and I've, I've said this, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and I feel like God has just continued to tell me this, you know, as, as things are changing, as things are moving forward in the life of our church, more people coming, growing, expanding, kids ministry growing and expanding, even during the summer months, but man, just, just growing everywhere. And, and I just, you know, I felt the Lord just felt him telling me, just enjoy the season you're in right now. Enjoy this time. It's healthy time in the life of our church. There's so much life that's happening here, uh, babies being born, right? Uh, all kinds of cool things and just exciting things growing together as a family. And Velocity Church is truly, it's a family. It's a church family. And so you guys are family here. If you're new here with us today, maybe it's your first time here or maybe you've been coming a few times, but I just want to tell you, you're already a part of the family. Okay, we don't do membership here at Velocity Church. We don't say, you know, you, you need to go to this class or sign this or, or anything like that. Uh, you join by coming and showing up and being a part of the church family. And so we see you as family here today. So we're glad to have you with us. And uh, today, uh, the, mess- the title of the message is Living Water. And if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. So we're going to be at today, John chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen as well. This is such a beautiful story. Let me just tell you from the start, many of you have heard this story, the story of the woman at the well. And uh, every time I hear this story, every time I read this story, I'm reminded of the love of God. I'm, I'm just reminded of the love of Christ. And you see this beautiful picture of the love of God in this story. And, and I want to I expand on that here in just a moment. But first, what I want to do is I want us to read through this passage. John chapter 4, I'm going to start in... Uh, in verse 4, and we're going to read through verse 30 straight through, and then we're going to skip down, and I also want to read verse 39. So go ahead and turn there, John chapter 4, verse 4. And, uh, and what's going on here is, is Jesus is making his way towards Galilee, and he's moving through a region known as Samaria. Uh, and and we're, going to, we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit more and what that means and why there's significance to where he's at. And what it means that he's dealing with Samaritan, uh, in, in particular Samaritan woman in this passage. So we're going to talk about it here today. But John chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, And he had to pass through Samaria. Remember that. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well it was about the sixth hour. And just real quick, just quick note here. Jesus wearied. Didn't you all catch that? Yeah. Is that interesting in any way? Jesus, we- wait, yeah. Jesus was weary? Oh, powerful Jesus, right? God in the flesh was, was weary. And God was fully, uh, Jesus was fully God, and fully man. 
Fully God, fully man. And here's the really beautiful part about that is this, is that it says in Hebrews that we do not have a high priest who is not sympathizing our weaknesses, but in every way was tested, in all things was tested, yet without sin. Meaning this, that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you felt, Jesus has felt it. Jesus has, he can sympathize in your weaknesses. If you've been betrayed, Jesus knows what that feels like. Uh, Jesus has, has felt he sympathizes in our weaknesses. He knows, the, he knows the struggle. He knows the human experience because although he's fully God, he didn't lean into his deity and cheat. Yeah. That's what that means. He felt the human experience yet without sin. Wow. Went through it all. As a matter of fact, he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days, yeah. 40 nights yet without sin. So Jesus, he sympathizes. He's not distant. Mm-hmm. He knows what you're going through. Jesus Wearied. He was tired from the journey, needed a drink of water. You know, they're walking through, uh, I mean, they're walking through some, some heat out there. And so as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about six hour. That would be around noon, which is the hottest part of the day in this region. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Just remember that. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She doesn't, she doesn't understand. What is he talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's still thinking in the natural. But Jesus is going deeper here. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In other words, it won't matter whether you worship there or whether you worship here. An hour is coming when it's not going to matter where you worship. You worship wherever, wherever you are. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called... Christ, when he comes, he would tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You imagine what she would have thought in that moment. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman, would you remember this, left her water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So they went out of the town and were coming to him. And I want to skip down to verse 39. 
Verse 39 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Amen. Amen. Let's pray one more time. If you bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that as we, as we read your word, as we hear your word, God, it moves us, God. It moves our hearts closer to you. Uh, and God, I just ask that today you'd open our hearts, you'd open our eyes, Lord, to see. You'd open our hearts to receive your word, that it would go out on good ground and it'd be receptive, uh, that the seed would be sown, Lord, and it, it would take root in our lives, Lord, and it would lead to change. Uh, not just to a, a Sunday morning talk, God, but it would lead to true life change that we apply, that we take out of, this, out of this room with us. Thank you for showing up, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do today. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And everyone said? Amen. amen, amen. So we read this story again. We see a clear picture, the love of Jesus. Do you just see that when you read through this passage? You can just, you can feel that. And, 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 and we feel God's love. Did you know that God actually wants you to know the love that he has for you? He wants you to know his love for you. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul prayed that, that we, all the saints would be able to comprehend the depth, the width, the height, the vastness, the expansiveness of God's love for us. He asked that question, why? Why, why does God want, to, want us to know the love? Because when you understand God's love toward you, it changes, number one, the way you see yourself, and in turn, it changes the way you see other people. When I know the love that God has for me, it changes how I see myself, and it changes how I see other people. And when we read this story, I, what I want to do today is I want to unpack three different aspects of God's love that I believe that we clearly see here in John chapter 4. And the first one I want to talk about today is this, is that God lovingly pursues us, that out of love, our God is a God who pursues. He pursues. And you see this in this story. How many of you, uh, you, you, you played a sport in high school of some kind? Yeah, I played a sport in high school. Some of you might have played college ball or something like that. Or maybe just you were super competitive. You had school spirit. How many of you remember your team's rival? Anybody remember? You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Go ahead and shout it out, okay? High school, college, what was your rival? So, okay, so, Cy Woods, okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? MacArthur. Houston. Houston. Any Brenham representation in the room? Listen, I remember uh, some of you, you got, we got Aggies fans in here. We have Longhorns fans in here. We've got UT joining the SEC is next year, I believe. So, you know, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Massive rivalry, right? Yeah. Um, but, but I remember growing up, I played football in high school. I went to Brenham here, and um, I remember our rival was Waller. It was the Waller Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. Don't ask me why. It just was. I don't, I don't know. Like it just, that's just how it was. So the Waller Bulldogs, it was like, okay, well, when do we play? When do we play Waller? Okay, that day. And it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, yeah, we could be having a good year and they're having a bad year, but they could still beat us. Yeah. And then vice versa. We could be having an okay year and, and they could be having, you know, the best year, but we're going to beat them. It's just one of those things, right? L literally, I have people to this day I'm not kidding. I know people that, that, that literally I work with now, of all things, that went to Waller and they tell me, your senior year, we beat y'all. Yeah. Literally, they take it that seriously. I'm like, whoa, glad you're still living in the glory days there. Uh, you know, some of us have moved on. It's been like, you know, 15 years. Let's, let's make progress. But, you know, whatever. So people take it seriously, okay? 
Rivalries, rivalries. You're like, why are you talking about rivals right now? We're talking about God's love. You know what's interesting about all this is that when I read this story and we read about the Jews and the Samaritans, they were like a rivalry, but just imagine rivals times a thousand. They weren't just rivals. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Massive hatred toward each other. And it's all stemmed from this. Um, Years before, where, where did this rivalry, where did this hatred come from? The Assyrian army attacked northern Israel in this part of the region. And, and basically what happened is they moved out some of the Jews in the area. And then they, they, they married some of the Jews that were there. And so they intermarried. And then that led to a, a, a new race of people in that region, in that area, which caused a lot of division. They brought in different ideologies, different religions, all sorts of things that went against the Jewish thought in the way that they were being brought up. And so it, it created this massive rivalry. And listen, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to put a map up here. I wanted to put a map just to kind of show you, because I know super soaked about seeing a map at church on Sunday. So I'll save you from showing you a map, but I just want to give you a little, little context here of what it looks like. So, so the area of Samaria would have been wedged right in between the region of Galilee, which was further up north, and then Jerusalem was down south. And so Jerusalem was like the big city. This is where all the religious elites were from. If you wanted to do anything incredible religious, you'd go to Jerusalem and people would travel in and out on the southern region. And so often people would make their way north and right in between uh, Galilee and Jerusalem was a region known as Samaria. And this is where the Samaritan people were. Now there's bad blood in Samaria. Samaria. And so what they would do is, is as they would move through, and if you were a Jew, you would avoid that area completely, and you would walk, you would go way out of your way, you know, to the east or to the west, but you would do everything you could to try to avoid running into Samaritans. If you understood, it's kind of hard for us, I think, in 2023 to comprehend the, the, the hatred that these people really had toward one another, how much they despised one another. They didn't get along. It's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around that. And I say all that because what does Jesus do in this story? It starts by saying he had to go to Samaria, right? He had to go to Samaria. So you have what, what was perceived in, in everybody's mind, Jewish rabbi Jesus going to Samaria, to meet with a Samaritan woman. He, he, he goes out of his way. I'm not going to take the path and go, you know, go this way. I'm going to purposely go to this region to meet, of all people, a woman. You would not have, this would not have been culturally acceptable in any way at all. They're like, it, it would have been normal for, if, if a man like Jesus, right, would have seen uh, you know, a Samaritan woman walking, like to stop and completely turn around and walk the other way and totally get out of the situation. But Jesus goes right into the heart of it. He goes to this well to meet this woman. And I believe by divine appointment, he's there to meet this woman. There's debate. People say, well, why did he have to go there? And I believe he had to go there specifically to see this woman. He wanted to pursue, he wanted to see this woman. She's a Samaritan woman. Not only is she a woman who's a Samaritan, She's not just a woman who's a Samaritan, but she is a woman who's actually an outcast in her own society, in her own culture, to her own people. And why, why do we know this? Well, when does she go to the well? She goes to the sixth hour. 
This was at noon. This is the hottest part of the day. Listen, nobody went to the well at the hottest part of the day. Everybody stayed indoors. Nobody was trying to go outside. All of the women would have gone together. They would have gathered together and they would have talked and this would have, you know, had their little powwow and hey girl, what's going on? You know, what's going on? Let's go get coffee. Let's go. Let's go to the well. That's what it would have been like, right? So, so they, they go to the well together. But notice that this woman purposely avoids everyone. Now I'm going to go at noon. I'm going to go to the hottest part of the day when I know nobody will be there so that I'm not ridiculed, so that I'm not judged, I'm not condemned by my own people. So let me just paint this picture for you. This woman, she has a past, she has history, no doubt. But listen to the situation, right? Jesus, a Jewish man meeting a Samaritan woman who is not accepted by her own community. And Jesus pursues that woman. He goes to that woman. Listen, this is, this is the picture I want you to see here today. God pursues us. Jesus steps across lines that religion draws in the sand. And even though society said, no, you know, don't mess with her. Don't talk to her. Nope, you should avoid her. It's going to mess you up, you know, socially. Don't, don't talk. No, no, no. It's not acceptable. doesn't fit the culture norm. Jesus bypasses all of that and is like, I'm not going to be boxed into your traditions uh, that's not what I came for. I'm going to step across lines that you drew in the sand because someone in Samaria needs to know who I am. And someone in Samaria, this woman needs to meet the living water. And he knew that she needed him. And so Jesus steps across all sorts of lines to do this. And that's a picture of the love of our God. And for you here today, you might say, you know, I'm not the best person, right? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, you know, the one that's passing out turkeys at Thanksgiving to everyone. I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the guy that's always at church every Sunday and doing things the right way. Or, or maybe, maybe it's even like, I, I don't go to church. Like, what is church? Like, you know, this is my first time back here in years, right? I'm just kind of getting back into this whole thing. Like, I don't know what I believe. Let me just tell you something. God pursues. He pursues. It's a relentless pursuit, and that's a picture of our God's love. He'll never stop pursuing you. He's after pursuit of your heart. He's after pursuit of your heart. There's this idea that people say a lot of times. They're like, you know, uh, well, well, if, if God, you know, I found God, right? Like I just, you know, I, I pursued him and I looked for him and I searched for him and I found God. It's like, well, you know, God wasn't the one that was lost, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. God actually found you. And, and, and in your pursuit of him, he had been pursuing you long before that. Like he never stopped pursuing you. You just caught up to it when you decided to turn to him. But God has always been there. He's always been there. And maybe there's somebody that's listening to this today and you just need to hear that. That God has not left you. He's not abandoned you. Even when you weren't looking for him, he was on search hunt looking for you. And Genesis, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They eat. What do they do? They eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and sin enters the world in that moment. And what do they immediately do? They go run and hide. And what does it say? What, what does God do? He goes looking for them. He says, not that, not that God didn't know where they were already. But he goes, where are you? Where are you? They go running. They go running trying to cover up their sin. Where are you? And maybe God has been asking you that question. That's the question the Lord's been asking you. Where, where are you? Where'd you go? He hasn't lost you. 
right? God, God is, well, I don't know, you're hiding behind those trees and I can't see you, like, you know. Right? But, but we don't find God. God found us. And God never stops pursuing. So some of you just, today maybe you just need to turn around and go, there he is, he never left me, never left me. And take a step back into that. As he goes on, and he starts talking about this living water with this woman. As he begins having this conversation with this woman, she starts getting engaged in Jesus. He introduces her to the living water. Well, what was she doing? She was going to the well to get water. And so as he's having this conversation, she's, she's thinking, well, what is this living water? Is this something that, you know, is, is, uh, give me some of that. Like, I'll never have to come to this well again. She thinks it's like magical water. You know, I want some of that. That's the good stuff. I won't have to come up here in the middle of the day. And Jesus is speaking deeper to this woman. He's going deeper. He's like, no, it's not the water you're thinking about. I'm talking about something spiritual. I'm talking about something deep in your life that you need to confront and you need to deal with because I'm the living water. And when you drink from this water, you'll never thirst again. And what had this woman been doing? What has she been doing her whole life? She was thirsty and she was drinking from all sorts of things. And that's what we do too, don't we? In life, we say, oh, well, you know what? When I finally find the right guy, I'll be happy. Or the right girl, I'll be happy. So I'm going to go to this bar. I'm going to go to this club. I'm going to go hunting. I'm going to go looking around. I'm going to, you know, put it out there on Facebook. I'm on the hunt. I'm available. <laughs> because when I meet Mr. Right, it's going to be right. And, you know, I'll never thirst again. Or, or, or maybe it's, you know, I get that job and then I hit that status. Or I have that car that, you know, separates me from cultural society and I'm, you know, at this certain status now. When, when I, whenever I, you know, obtain this, you know, I'm going to be happy and I'm not going to have any more worries anymore. And, and what happens is so often in life, just like this woman, we're drinking from different things, trying to quench our thirst from things that will never quench your thirst. And that's what this woman was doing. She was wearing herself out time and time and time again going to this well. She's going to the well, the hottest part of the day. And notice it's put her in a situation now where she, she has to, she's literally, she's miserable. She's going there the hottest part of the day. But she's been trying all sorts of things. And she's still thirsty. She's still thirsty because it doesn't quench her thirst. Only the living water will quench your thirst. Only turning to Jesus will truly quench your thirst. Only sipping that water will quench your thirst. Everything else, it's temporal. People go to all sorts of things. They go to drugs, addiction, alcohol, all kinds of things. People say, well, maybe this will, maybe this will cure it. Maybe this will quench my thirst. Maybe this will get me through another day. Maybe, maybe this will help. Maybe this will satisfy. And, and nothing truly satisfies but Jesus. Amen. He is the living water, and he offers this woman. He says, when, you, when, when do you get that living water? He goes on to say, uh, she, she, she kind of turns the question a little bit. She goes, are you greater than our father Jacob? He, he gave us the well and drank from himself and as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. So God pursues us. He's pursuit. He pursues God lovingly pursues us. And I want you to get this picture. It's the steadfast love of our Father. Is He loves you so much. It's like, you know, 
as a parent, what do you want your kids to know more than anything? You love your kids. You want your kids to know, mom and dad love you, mom and dad love you. Your heavenly father wants his kids to know that he loves them. He loves you. He loves you. No matter your past, no matter mistakes that you've made, no matter the sin in your past, God loves you. Jesus paid the price for it. The second thing that we see in God's love, second aspect of God's love, is that God's love confronts us. So it pursues us and then he confronts. And you see this picture in the story with this woman. Jesus said to her, what does he say? He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you've had five and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is a picture of Jesus lovingly confronting this woman in her sin. He's lovingly confronting her in her sin. Let me ask you something. Um, if you know somebody is on a road to destruction, is the loving thing to allow that person to continue to go down that road? If you know someone who, who is, maybe they are addicted to something, a substance, What's the loving thing to do in that situation? You say, I love you. Like, I hope you figure it out. I love you. I'm here. Hope, hope you figure that out. There's a loving thing to confront it and say, hey, if you keep going down this road that you're on, if you keep doing what you're doing, it's going to lead to destruction. I love you. I care about you enough to tell you something needs to change. Something needs to change in your life. We can't continue doing this. Right? We can't continue to go down the road. The loving thing to do is to confront. And this is what Jesus does this woman. He confronts her in this, in this moment. Jesus is confronting this woman of the sin that's in her life. Let me just tell you this, church, is that when you meet Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, he will confront things in your life. And that's him loving you. He will lovingly confront you of things in your life. I remember we went on vacation and... Uh, we do, do a road trip to Branson, Missouri. Has anybody ever been to Branson, Missouri before? Come on. I know people make fun of Branson, but that's lame, okay? Branson's fun. My kids love it. We have a great time. That's our little spot we go. We get a cabin. We're on our way uh, to Branson, and, uh, and it gets late at night. And I've got three kids sitting in the back seat of the car, okay? And our car gets dirty on road trips, but, you know, it's, it's late at night. We've made like 15 stops on the way because, you know, snack here, snack there. Why didn't you go to the restroom back there? Oh, because, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't have to go. And so it's, it's a trip, right? So we're on our way, and it's dark, and we're driving, and we're winding through. And we get to the cabin and, you know, get the bags out. And, and then we go inside, and, and we're all happy. Everybody's excited. The next morning we get up, and we're ready to go go, go, you know, out and do some, do some fun stuff, right? I walk into the car. I open the car door and literally open the door and like McDonald's bags fall out and like a Coke falls on the ground. It's like we're in the car. And I'm like, I'm looking in the back seat and there's like stuff everywhere. There's like food. There's like candy. I'm like, I don't even know I bought that for you. There's all kinds of stuff. There's pillows, there's blankets, there's stuffed animals, just a wild experience in the back. Some of y'all are judging me. You're like, 
You're letting the car get that way. Well, when you have three kids, you go on a long road trip, things happen, okay? So we're driving, or we're getting in the car, getting ready to drive, and all this stuff, all this junk's in the back. But you know why I couldn't see it when we were making our way up there? Because it was dark in the car, and I couldn't see anything, right? But as soon as we get in the daylight, the light exposes everything that's there, and it's, that's the same way when you experience Jesus and you encounter Jesus. Is this the closer you get to the light, the closer you get to Jesus, it exposes the dirt in your life. It exposes things in your life. You're like, ooh, I didn't know that was there. Ooh, I didn't know that was there. But as you walk in relationship and step with Jesus, it's like, oh man, what about this? What about that? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some conviction from the Holy Spirit. And listen, that's a good thing. As a matter of fact, if you live your life never feeling conviction for sin, have you met the real Jesus? Because when you meet Jesus, he's going to confront you on some things. You're going to start seeing some things going, never even realized this. This never even, you know, entered my mind that this was wrong. This didn't even seem like a thing that I should worry about, right? This didn't even seem. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I need to do something about that. It's not out of condemnation, but it's him lovingly confronting you to say, if you continue to live like this, if you continue to go down that road, if you continue to go down that path, it's going to lead to a life of destruction. And because I love you, I'm going to confront you on it, and I'm going to tell you some things need to change. And so, you know, maybe today there's some things, and nobody wants to hear that message. Nobody wants to hear the confront. Oh, you know, there's conviction. Oh, the Holy Spirit convicts. Oh, you know, I thought I could just kind of, you know, do whatever I want. I remember uh, hearing this, and especially in the culture that we live in today in 2023. I mean, the, 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 the climate of our society, right? I've heard so many things. Well, you know, I've heard this one a lot. Well, you know, they're, they're living in a lifestyle, living, you know, outside the will of God. And it's like, well, you know, God loves me, man. Like, I don't know. The God I know, he loves me, like, regardless, like, whatever. And it's like, he does love you. And, and he loves you enough to say, stop doing what you're doing. Right. Amen? Amen. He, he does love you. And, and, and there are some things that in your life, that you're stepping outside the bounds and the Holy Spirit will convict you of that sin and say, hey, hold on a second. Let's correct. Let's refocus. Let's get back on track. You're going the wrong direction. Get back on track. Let's refocus, right? And so God's love confronts. And he confronts this woman. He engages her in the conversation. But notice he doesn't do it in a harsh way. He doesn't tear her down. He doesn't come at her and attack her. There are times in your life where, where you're going to have to confront some things with people. There are going to be times where out of a place of love, you're going to have to speak into a situation. Um, this passive society where we just, you know, whatever, let it flow, whatever. That's not it. Being passive, being just like, eh, you know, there are some times you as a follower of Jesus are going to have to say, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to say this to you. It might upset you initially, but just know I love you. And if I'm in the wrong in any way, please tell me. But I just, I got to tell you, I love you. I care about you. We need, to, we need to work on this. We need to confront some things. So many people today are so scared of conflict. They want to be people pleasers yeah. to the point where they're like, I'm not going to say anything about anything. and I'm just not going to have any kind of, you know, spine about anything. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be a slow that, that's America. Whatever, whatever. You do you, you know. It's your truth anyways. Like, right? Like, it's not mine. It's yours. Like, just, just live, your, live your life. Do your thing. There, there's a way to lovingly, uh, the way Christ does with this woman, there's a way to say, hey, look, I love you, and I, I want to I talk to you about this. 
And on the other side of that, we've got to be willing to accept things that people see in our lives as well. It's a lot easier to tell somebody. Sometimes, though, when we're in the wrong and we're, we're doing something that needs to be maybe confronted, it's like, well, let me swallow my pride a little bit, right? You know, that's, that, what is this month they're calling this month Pride Month? What if we followed up Pride Month with Humility Month? That might be, that might be a good thing, right? Um, you know, I, 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 there's some times we have to confront some things, and, and we can't, as the church, like, out of love, if we're going to do that, we're not just going to sit back and watch it roll, right? Amen. So Jesus lovingly confronts this one, and so much happens here. So much happens that we could dig in, and we could spend time in this, but, but really, the last thing I want to talk to you about here today is an aspect of God's love that we see is that God's love spreads. It spreads. So he meets this woman. He has this, this conversation with this woman. She's engaged in the conversation and she's listening to Jesus and he's telling her about this living water. And then what does he tell her? She says, she says you know, when, when the Messiah comes, then, then he'll tell us all things. And then Jesus looks at her and says, I am he who you speak of. That's me. I'm here. Like, I'm the Messiah. That's, that's literally what Jesus tells this woman. Can you imagine what she thought? Her jaw must just drop to the floor. Oh my gosh. And right in the moment, what happens? The disciples, right on perfect timing, right? They come and interrupt the whole thing. What are you doing talking to this woman over here? Like, what's going on, Jesus? Like, we've just been getting lunch over here. And he comes up and interrupts the whole situation. And, but here's the picture I want you to see. What does the woman do? The Bible's very intentional. Everything in the Word of God is profitable, okay? Every bit of it. She leaves her water jar behind. Now, let me just tell you the significance of that right now. She goes to this well every day at noon. The well that she's going to in this water jar represents her fulfillment in life, the things that she's been holding on to. And she has to go at noon. She has to bring this water jar so that she'll have water for her fulfillment. Yet, in the moment she encounters Jesus, what does she do? She leaves it behind. She leaves the water jar, and what does she do? She goes running to the city to tell everyone about the man who told her everything she ever did. See, this is what happens, church, is this. Is when the Lord confronts us, God pursues us, instead of his pursuit, he confronts us of things in our life. And as he confronts us, God's love works in us, and then it works through us to others. God's love works in us, and then it works through us. And that's how the love of God spreads. And so in this moment, immediately, what happens? She leaves her water jar, and she goes, what does she do? She goes running to the village to tell them all that she ever did. Such a beautiful picture. See, <clears throat> I just want to hear you today. I want you to hear today is this, is that there's some water jars that you carry in your life every day. And there are some water jars that you need to leave behind in pursuit of Jesus. Here's the picture. God pursues us. And as Jesus' heart moves toward you, your heart moves towards him. His heart moves toward you and you, you move toward him. There are some things that I had to leave in the past. There are some things, some water jars. I've got to leave this noontime run to the well in the past so that I can pursue the water, the living water that I'll never thirst again. And that's only through Jesus. That's only through Christ Jesus. 
What are the things in your life that you need to leave in the past? Because all of us have stuff. All of us have things. Like, we just have to look at ourselves and go, we all have different things that we deal with in our life. What are, what's keeping me going to the well at noon? What, what am I devoting my time, my attention, my passion, my focus toward in my life? What are things that I need to leave and start drinking from the living water so that I'll never thirst again? And you take a sip from the living water and then you take another sip of the living water and then you take another. See, some people think, well, I just, you know, I, I went to church and, you know, and I went on and, and that was it. You need to keep coming. You need to keep coming. You keep pouring in. You need to keep pouring into God's Word. I tried to read the Bible and just didn't, you know, nothing stood out to me. You need to keep digging into the Word. You need to keep reading. You need to keep trying. You need to keep looking. She runs and she tells everyone in verse 39, I love this picture. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. See, when you leave the water jar behind, you have a testimony to share. You have a testimony. You have a story to share. You have something to share with others. Tell me what Jesus did in my life. What did God do for me? If he did what he did for me, he's going to do it for you. This is the picture of God's love. And this is how I want to close today is this. The same Jesus that would go out of his way completely, you know, to, to, to meet this woman right where she is. He had to be there. The same Jesus that sat down, that looked this woman in the eyes, who was a social outcast, didn't get along with anybody, but spent time talking and teaching and telling her. Maybe for the first time she had a man sit with her and actually just share and minister to her like this in her whole life. The same Jesus that this woman meets is the same Jesus who not far long after this point will hang on a cross for that same woman's sin. And, and he, he, as he hangs on the cross, he dies this gruesome death for the sins of that woman. He encounters her. He meets her where she's at. He lays his life down on the cross so that she can have life. The same Jesus that died for that woman is the same Jesus that died for you and me. And no matter what our water jar is, no matter what we've been drinking out of, Jesus says you can, you can leave that behind because truly when you drink from the living water, you, you'll never thirst again. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.